fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another Fireside episode of Fantasy and Some Flights. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And today, hey, we're finally back. Okay, so we yeah. had a little bit of a break. We we took summer vacation from the podcast, which yeah, was did. kind of combined with a lot of life events and then COVID, yeah. which I am just now getting over again. So glad. So glad. Yep. But we're back. We're back. We're talking about Fireside. We're ta- we got so much stuff to cover. I know. But before we dive in, how are you doing Mr. Dalton. I'm doing really well. You know, it's been, like you said, it's been, it's been a little while. There was a lot of, summers just get busy. And this happened last year. You know, I moved last year and um, this year there was just a lot of weddings, wedding, you know, summer is wedding season and <laughs> we're kind of at that age where everybody seems to be getting married. Um, yep. So that, that was a big part of it. Um, we, I talked about like, oh, do we want to do like a fireside or like a topic episode? And it's like, we cannot afford to do a topic episode. Like, yeah, right. It has been too long. There is far too much to cover. There, <laughs> there's way too much to cover. We had Gen Con in that break. Yep. And so that's covering a lot of what I'm talking about tonight. Yeah. Things and have been coming out. Things have been coming out. I started reading again. It's weird. Yep. Like, I, like, oh my gosh. Oh, I took shoot, a I break to, from I, I Wheel of Time for a little while. So I read like other books. I have like several books that are just in You the can do that? Yeah, you can do that. It's Does Brandon know? There's literally no rules against it. <laughs> really? Okay. Huh. Weird. Huh. Yeah. But I, I did read a book. I need to write that in my notes so I don't forget it because I already forgot it until just now. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before we dive into all of the exciting content that we have been consuming over the last month or so, mm-hmm. what's on your flight? On my flight. Tonight, I have a disappointment. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> and actually, I'm on your flight? That's a whole flight of disappointments. <laughs> <laughs> Titled My Sex Life. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> and we're back. Um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, fix it in post. Yeah, fix it in post. Um, <laughs> to my fiance, I love you. <laughs> that, that was not a joke about you. Anyways, we have tonight... IW Harper. So this is a um, a brand that has, and, and so this is why I say it's a disappointment. I'm just gonna bring it up front because it's a dis- disappointment because of expectation, not because it's actually a okay. bad whiskey. Um, okay. I would start out just off the bat. I would probably call this a two cheers. Okay. And that's largely based on price point, but to context to contextualize where we're at. So IW Harper is a very successful 15 year bourbon. Right. So if you want to go out and buy like a 130 year bottle that, you know, everybody is like raving about IW Harper 15 years, it's really pretty. Right. I have not tasted it, but I've heard really good things side by side. Um, I, they released a like no age statement bottling. So two, uh, this one, they actually say that it's straight. Um, so it's most likely four, like exactly. Oh, four. four. Okay. Four okay. year because it is a straight bourbon, um, but they don't have an age statement. So it's probably a four year. And so I think coming into it, you expect you have these kind of high expectations meeting against this like really well-priced, really excellent 15 year um, that everyone is like crazy about against um, this no age statement. Like, hey, we're just going to try and get something onto the market kind of thing. Right. Um, Yeah. And tasting it, I think tasting blind, I would I would maybe prefer like Wild Turkey 101, which I actually do like. It's not that's not like a total like (laughs) just uh, just the swill. Like I liked Wild Turkey 101 at its price point. I would maybe mm-hmm. prefer it to this though. Um, and this, okay. I think I paid like 39 for, 
Okay. And that's yeah. like way too much. Um, gotcha. I think it's kind of maybe trying to ride the brand a little bit. Um, mm, it yep. also says they have not released like where this whiskey comes from. Like it says it's bottled at their distillery, um, which makes me think like maybe they actually bought it and just like, maybe they did a little bit of aging and they re- this is speculation on my part. They like did a, maybe a little bit of aging or maybe they even just mixed it and rebottled it there. Um, but it's gotcha. somebody else's whiskey. Again, not having tasted like their 15 year, I, I have no idea if it's, if it tastes similar or not. Um, but overall, I think I came in with like, a, oh, this will be exciting to try and was maybe just like a little bit let down. Um, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. Again, not knowing all of that, I think I would come in and put it at a two cheers because I would feel it was maybe a little bit overpriced at like 39. Um, gotcha. And could think like, yeah, I've maybe had some better things. Um, but it's very straightforward as a bourbon. Um, it has a very straightforward palate and nose. Um, there's like, if there was a forward flavor outside of just like standard bourbon flavors, it might be like... Maybe like an apricot or like maybe a slight like mintiness in like the finish. Mm, okay. Um, it doesn't like stick around too much. It's bottled at 82 proof. So it doesn't have like a whole lot of complexity. It doesn't have a whole lot of aggression. It doesn't have a whole long finish because it's just kind of a little weak. Um, Seems very bland. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like not bland in like a tasteless way because it's still a whiskey. So it's still like, <laughs> you know, like you taste it. Um, yeah. But it's like if this was somebody's first bourbon ever, you could kind of be like, yeah, this is kind of what bourbon tastes like, you know. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I like an 82 proof that's not going to like floor them. But you have to spend $40 for it. Yeah, but you have to spend $40 for it. And like we're getting close to like Michter price in that range. and it's like, Right. Yeah. That. I think I'm I paid 42 for that. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to buy Michter. That's way better at this <laughs> price point. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we find Elijah Craig. I don't. But, you know, in Indiana, we find Elijah Craig around, you know, more like um, more like, like 30s, like low 30s, stuff like that. And I probably mm-hmm. prefer that. And so, yeah. So I think that's why it was a miss. I think they're trying to rely on their branding. Um, and I don't know. It just didn't really come together for me. So like I said, a bit that's of a disappointment. Bad. But at least it's not bad to drink, right? It's not like I'm yeah. trying to get through it. Like, I do enjoy every pour. You know, it's like, this is fine. <laughs> I just wish I didn't yeah. pay so much for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm. yeah, it sucks that you paid so much, but I'm glad you're not choking it down. I'm mm-hmm. glad it, it doesn't have to, you know revert to being in a mixed drink that's right type whiskey so <laughs> at least at least you have that but now now you know not to pick it up again so yeah, yeah now you know nice. to try something different so and that happens that's, that's part of the process right yeah, that's why you have friends true. like me that buy bottles so that yeah you- <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> and i just listen to this podcast and then i know what to buy exactly <laughs> exactly oh what about you? Besides like tea, what are you, what are you drinking? I, I, yeah, I've been drinking a lot of tea because that helps me cough. We will probably heavily editing out coughs in this episode, <laughs> but <laughs> I am drinking Carlsberg. So this is a Danish style Pilsner. And this I I picked up because I have a, I have a shirt because my wife, when she, I'm so uh, glad you have a shirt. Visit, <laughs> I have a shirt. Um, <laughs> One whole shirt. I did it, guys. Um, I have a Carlsberg shirt. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I, I, <laughs> I don't. We're back to zero shirts. <laughs> We're back to zero shirts. I have a Carlsberg uh, bottle opener. I have a mm. different shirt. But a Carlsberg bottle opener. Um, and my wife was going to try and bring me back some when she fin- when she visited Danish. Um, <laughs> when she visited Danish. <laughs> The country of Danish. <laughs> the country of Danish. Uh, but uh, she she was not able to through like customs and everything. And so oh. she brought back this and I've always wanted to try it. And so I was able to pick it up at a local store here. And I love their uh, their branding or their logo. It's their Carlsberg, probably the best beer in the world. 
and <laughs> I th- <laughs> I love it. Like, <laughs> it's incredible. But <laughs> based from, on our fairly limited testing, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but just from from like looking at it and doing a little bit of research and hearing what my wife has to say, this feels very much like the the beer that is in all of the the bars there, and just is very common. Mm. And I wish that was the case here mm. because I am really enjoying this. It's very crisp. It's very light. It it does not taste like a mass market beer whatsoever. I actually like would order this. Oh, nice! And not just from like a like novelty state sake mm. i would actually probably buy this because this is really refreshing it's excellent now here in the summer um it's a very like light-hearted beard pairs very well with the hot tea and so <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's a three cheers for me four cheers if you're drinking with tea and <laughs> I, like I, I i'm i'm i was actually very impressed so i i probably will try and go find maybe more of these because it feels like a very good one for kind of like a a light drink yeah on a hot summer day very cool yeah i was a little concerned when on the camera i saw like a green bottle i was like oh man let's see you know like i've not really yep. had very many yep. good beers out of a green bottle <laughs> <laughs> Rolling Rock, you take that back, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the luck of the Irish is with you. Yeah. Like, it is it going to win awards at a craft beer festival? No, but it is very good for what it is. Cool. So, yeah. very happy with it. Yeah. I'm. If you remember in the like beer episode where you kind of like let us through a tasting, like I had a pilsner I was very surprised by because I, you know, yeah. we have this like um, it's ingrained in you in like the craft scene <laughs> in America where it's like we have pilsners but they're bad. Like, (laughs) the thrills for the pills, the thrills for the pills, you know, and like, I don't know, just because like, we all know that like, that's what all of the big, um, you know, domestic brands, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. like are. And so we just equivalent Pilsner with cheap and bad. And that episode really showed me like, okay, that's not true. They're just hard, hard to do well, maybe. And yeah, but they're also cheap to make. And so they, I I think that's it. I think it's really cheap to do mediocre or poorly. Yeah. Right. It's it's easy to mass market them. Yeah. And so that's why you see all of the, you know, the I don't even know what to call them. Mass market beers or w- whatever. Yeah, the domestics. The, in the, the domestics. Yeah, it doesn't that, help when you like brew with rice instead of <laughs> <laughs> What's cheaper? Can we do cardboard? Can we try cardboard? Let's try cardboard. <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, so that's what's on my flight Sweet. and enjoying that until I run out of it and I inevitably switch to something else. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking for a while. <laughs> I know. I actually like, I poured myself a pretty heavy pour and I'm, I got like maybe, I don't know. Half a finger left, half a pinky, we'll call it. Nice. In a pretty wide Okay, so we have so much to talk about, so I do not want to delay anymore. Mm -hmm. But do we want to flip a coin? Do you want to start us out? You start us out. What's going on in the realm of Dalton Lynn? I'm going to start with um, something. I'm going to start with the most recent. So chronologically, I'm going to work backwards just because it's like most recent in my mind. So um, I have started To Sleep in a Sea of Stars. Um, by Christopher Paulini. Oh, that's a book. That's not a that's not a statement. You're that's not right. just I have magic not... <laughs> mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> just lay in the backyard, hold on to the grass and ride it out, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So okay, so Paulini's uh a book. So Paulini Aragon, Aragon. and the inheritance yep. cycle, which we are very familiar with, but that's the only thing that I have heard about or that I've read from Paulini. So yeah. how is how how's the Magic Mushrooms book? Yeah, the Magic, Magic Mushrooms book. Um, so I am. This is a physical copy, and so um, mm-hmm. I am like 
I don't know, maybe an eighth, I would say. That's an estimation based on how much I remember putting when I put the bookmark in last night. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So this is a sci-fi novel. It is, so far, the concept is that, um, and again, I'm, I'm very, very new into the book, and so I'm basing this off the back of the book and like what I've read so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, like, humanity is like exploring they have some sort of ability to explore like nearby star systems um okay and they are like working on like terraforming projects and that sort of thing um and they and like one it's following the person who encounters an alien life form Ooh, um, okay about the person but a person who encounters an alien life form um and it seems like they humanity has found evidence before but not like an actual life form and so it's kind of like following her story and so so far I have really, I have been fairly impressed with the quality of writing. Good. Which has been really, Good. really cool. Because we've talked about like Aragon, like when you go back on the reread as older, uh, like, more, you know, more experienced, more mature readers, um, you just realize that like he was very young, you know? Yeah. And it's I amazing think he put that his he, first, it was like 16, right? Yeah. When he started, he finished when he was like 19 or something stupid. That's, like, yeah. you know, or maybe he's 21, I forget, but it doesn't really matter. Point is he was inexperienced and young and it's amazing that he accomplished what he did at that mm, age mm-hmm. um, yeah and so it's really cool because i think i i feel like we are maybe not far off in age from him like we're we're 29 um and wait i'm t- yeah we're, we're 29 <laughs> i had a birthday i, I know i had to I think about when your birthday was <laughs> you know your birthday it happened okay <laughs> yep <laughs> we're both 20 we're in the last year of our 20s and i feel like he's not far he's like a year or two older than us or something like that um, and it's been a little while since he's written like a, a full novel. And so it's just been really rewarding to see like, okay, like this exposition is like, it's really well structured. Like this isn't, a, this is a sci-fi book. So that's like a breach from fantasy, right? Um, yeah. There are, there are differences in how like you approach that, you know? Um, and he's showing a lot of his, he's just, he's a very strong intellect and he has a, you know, a strong instinct for it, but he's showing like math and science that you have to like show in sci-fi. It's like, okay, he obviously like has, He's a smart guy. He's got an education. You know, like that's some of these things are like starting to kind of come forward. Um, and it's mm. like I said, it's been like maybe 10 years since more yeah. since he released Aragon. So, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So yeah. I'm sorry. I kind of uh, you said an eighth into it. Correct. Yeah. Not, yeah, in, not very. Far. OK. Yeah. Not not very far into it. OK. Well, yeah. I mean, that sounds really cool. I do love sci fi. I'll, I'll have to check it out. Well, I'll, I'll wait until your final verdict. But that's right. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Wait till I know if I, I like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have enjoyed Paolini's work. And so I am like I'm intrigued by it. For sure. And also like so I I'm, I'm not going to jump the gun too too much, but I did just read a sci fi book, which we'll talk about here in a second. But I think I, I, I do have like more love for sci-fi than I think I realized. Mm-hmm. Like I just really enjoy sci-fi. Yeah. And I don't know why that I've always just thought of myself as like I love fantasy. Like fantasy is yeah. what I like, but it's like the more sci-fi I was like I think I like this more. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> and so I I'll, I'll I'll definitely try it out. Yeah, I think like we definitely both have we both have that fault where we, you know, and maybe it's because like, you know, we haven't played a lot of like Starfinder, but we did play a lot of Pathfinder, you know? Yeah. And, it's like, our, and it's in our name. It's... Yeah. It's in our name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's just a more familiar genre. Um, yeah. And when we think of the books that we read when we were like younger, maybe like mm-hmm. Aragon and Lord of the Rings, yep. and, like a lot of them were big fantasy books. And so it just feels yeah. like familiar. But when I look at my like top five books, like a large portion of them are, are sci-fi books, you know, and it, yeah. it, it's become very prevalent um, in the books that I recommend and the, the books that I look out for. So um, I look really forward cool. to like reading this book every night, you know, like I, yeah. like, oh, I well, that's good. get to bed yeah. and like pick up the book and see what's, <laughs> you know, see what happens next. So. Well, I'll, I'll talk fast then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Nice. So, so going on with the Paulini train, did you see that Disney Plus is working on an Aragon TV show? Yep. Yep. I did. I don't know anything about it except for that they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a risky move. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. We. It's kind of funny because I know that we have said on the podcast before that we don't think that that would ever happen just because of how poorly they handled the first one. I know. But <laughs> it took like a we month. are eating our words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, so we'll we'll see how that goes, but I, I'm not quite sure when or if it's going to come out. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's early enough that that's not guaranteed. Still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but we have joked about like, you know, stop remaking movies that did well and start remaking movies that didn't do well. Yeah, <laughs> like, the Disney Plus executives are listening to our podcast. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's really exciting. What do, what do we want to say? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I I, I kind of teased the sci-fi book. I read. And finished in the Shadow of Deimos, which is the Terraforming Mars book. Oh, cool! That yeah, yeah. So it's a company that oh, I should. Oh shoot, I actually have it right here. I can just look at it. It is uh, Aconite is the company. Okay. And so what they do is they write books in what I think actually exclusively in like video game and board game worlds. And so it, it was really fun to read uh, this because it's it's kind of at the very like mid early stage of the terraforming process and if you've played the game basically it's a lot of corporations are going through and trying to terraform and bring life to mars okay and in this first book it follows like a an asteroid hits mars which happens all the time in the game and so (laughs) asteroid hits mars but it actually ends up killing somebody this is like chapter one stuff so i'm not spoiling anything for you and then it kind of follows that but it was so fun to read this and then see all of the callbacks that they have to the game right one of the major players is credit core uh umni Mm -hmm. is one of the major players and like they have references to a lot of the different cards and so like in that sense it was just a really fun read but it was also a really interesting book and so like i thought the plot was was really interesting i i enjoyed the story arc it kind of had like a mystery type feel to it yeah and so that was that was a little fun um it kind of reminded me of when you were talking about the dresden files Mm. where it's kind of like the the fantasy mystery type yeah uh but this one was kind of a sci-fi because the main character is trying to like uncover what happened Mm. and all of this stuff and so that that was fun they're coming out with another one that i think is releasing in october and so i pre-ordered that so I got through the first one. I enjoyed it, so I, I pre-ordered the next one. So it, it was a good book. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Turns out, you know, he's, like, trying to figure out what happened, and turns out there was there was a bonus if temperature got raised one more step, yep. you know? Yep, so. yep. <laughs> <laughs> Players like, exactly. oh, if I pay for this, you know, standard project, I get to place an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, but it was, I bought it based off of the IP, yeah. um, obviously, because it has served from yours on the cover, and stayed for the enjoyment of the actual book mm. so that's good that's really that was, fun to hear yeah i don't know it, like i think without a recommendation it's probably not something i would have picked up mm, mm-hmm. um, just because terraforming mars is huge it's it looks like a money grab you know yeah um, but yeah. it's also a weird like it would be a weird money grab to make like books are not <laughs> that <Yeah>. profitable <laughs> right right yeah. and this company has done a lot with arkham horror um mm. they've done a lot with They've done uh, Twilight Imperium, so they have books in the Twilight Imperium universe. Oh, They've neat. done a couple others I, I can't recall off the top of my head, but it's kind of what they do. They uh, they did a Bioshock, I think. I think they did a couple mm-hmm. of books in the Bioshock. So it, it's 
it's such an interesting model and just it's a fun partnership at least for sure so yeah that was actually a physical book that i read and i did not listen to it and so i was really proud about that good job as well i did all of the words by myself <laughs> and the voices the voices and in the voices. your head just got you know and just yeah. got monologues and <laughs> <laughs> it's great they had something to say for once <laughs> what else is going on um so i think I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take this one. Oh, did you watch? Yes, the, you did the first yeah, episode of yeah. House of Dragons. Yeah, yeah. So I watched it last night, and my fiance and I watched it last night, and I'm feeling really hopeful. I I, re, I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, no the the what I the way I've been describing it is I, I'm afraid of how much I enjoyed it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it felt very much like. The first episode of Game of Thrones. Seriously, yeah. Which was incredible. And I thought, I'll say it, I thought this episode was phenomenal. I was hooked. There was one kind of thing that I didn't totally like with at the end, which I'm not going to say because it is kind of a spoiler. Yeah. But it was just like a one line thing. I was like, yeah, that was kind of weird. But like, other than that, like, Mm. I was was enthralled. I think. (laughs) 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 So I was enthralled. Yeah. Seriously. It was incredibly well done. Yeah, they obviously have the funding because, like, the graph, the dragons yeah. looked great. Yes, they looked really yeah. good. And King's Landing looked amazing. It did, yeah. right? We saw more city in this first episode than I think all of season like one through seven of Game of Thrones combined. Yeah, they did a like, great it, job with it. You know, it was incredible. Yeah. yeah, like excepting maybe like the season where like Marjorie Tyrell's just like walking around the city, you know, and you like see a lot of the yeah. city like through her eyes or whatever. Right. Um, they in the just for one episode they showed a lot of it, you know, um, and it looked really good. It looked like familiar they did a really good job of balancing like familiar enough with also also respecting the fact that it's like 200 years or something yeah or 172 or something they give the number prior to the events of like i think it's prior to like daenerys targaryen being born yep so it's quite a quite a you know it's like they show like differences but you're like it's very familiar yeah the way it's shot it's bright thank god they figured out how fucking lights work (laughs) (laughs) they did it everyone they did it they did it they turned the lights on in the studio yeah they got funding to power the lights that's right yeah they got funding to power the lights you know um just off the bat it's like okay i think there's some characters here i could be invested in you know yeah there's some you know there's some everyone has a little up and down like nobody's a perfect good guy bad guy so far yep Yep. Yeah, I think they have captured that from Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that we talk about with Game of Thrones is how there's really no like clear cut like other than like Ned, right? Like right. clear cut good guy mm-hmm. or or good person and this felt very much like all the characters kind of had that depth yeah. that A Song of Ice and Fire provide yeah. provided. And so I'm I am cautiously optimistic. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I would say I'm if there's an area where I'm hesitant or maybe nervous is like maybe the casting. I don't feel yeah. off. I mean, but it's the first episode, you know, it's, it's really hard to judge hard. that type yeah. of thing. Um, but like right off the cuff, it's like when I think of why game of Thrones is successful, it's cause like every, every freaking actor was an all-star, you know, like yeah. they just yeah. nailed their parts. Um, and then the writing tanked, but like they, the <laughs> actors were really, really solid. Um, right. And so, Several, like a couple of the actors I'm like looking at I'm like oh this person's good like I like this yep. and a couple of them I'm like eh we'll see you know but like no one yeah. out that I was like this person's gonna be terrible or whatever mm-hmm. um, I thought it was told well you know like you because you don't really know what the show's gonna be about honestly until the episode starts playing you're like I know that it's set in the past but like what's the conflict like what's going on you know they kind of yep. like tee that up I thought fairly well and they like yep. start to show what it's gonna be about and 
you're like, okay, I can see where this might go. You know, like this is, yeah. this is interesting. We'll see. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed seeing kind of like good Targaryens or like kind of like mm-hmm. we, Targaryens were and kind of are the, they were kind of the antagonist to Westeros in A Song of Ice and Fire. And then in this series, they are very much the protagonist mm-hmm. and they're, they feel almost similar to like the Lannisters um, where they kind of have the power in, they hold the the throne yeah. and they're there the are family. good they're the royal family there are good ones there are bad ones there are interesting ones yeah. and so like I, I i'm just really pleased with the depth and mm-hmm. seeing that they're not all just like crazy insane people like mm-hmm. kind of how it's kind of teed up in a song of ice and fire for sure or, like the original series because like they kind of push that narrative the characters in game of thrones kind of push that narrative because they yes. are the bad people and so it's it's really cool to see that and then also the dragons the dragons were sick yeah they looked really like good. oh and then there there's a this is not a spoiler but there is a scene where you get to see what has been talked about in game of thrones with the large dragon skulls mm. and yeah the sheer size of one of the dragon skulls and then the i thought they did a really good job of they they like show him and basically like the the, the people standing next to it are like the size of like its teeth. Yeah. Pretty much. And then it cuts to like a, a live dragon where mm. it's, you know, the people are like the size of their head and you're just like, that thing was huge. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which so, is great. Cause they, you know, from the books and maybe from the series, I can't remember if they specifically talk about it, but the dragons have decreased in size yeah. over time. They, they talk about this. Um, and they say at some point that like the last one that died was like the size of a house cat or something like really tiny, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like, it's good that they're respecting that they're showing like this dragon was fucking massive, but the ones that yeah. like are active yeah. are still really big, full grown, yep. scary ass dragons, um, that are animated really well. Now I, I am very cautiously optimistic at this point. We've only seen one episode, yep. but I am eagerly awaiting 9 PM on Sunday. Yeah. Like I, I like, I kind of respect the fact that they are doing it like old style where it's, they're releasing it at a nine. Yeah. And That's how Game of Thrones used to very, release. It was and, yeah, and it feels very much like a like an event. Yeah. And so I, I looked it up right before the premiere had nine point nine eight six views, mil, million views, which is so close to ten. And it's the <laughs> largest. It's the largest that HBO has ever had on a debut night. Wow. And so people are people are still interested, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, we both watched it. Right. So. Turns out you cut Beavis and Butthead, and we're willing to give it a try. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, nice. you took a drink right as I said that. <laughs> it was beautiful. Oh, fantastic! No, I yeah, I'm absolutely. I was blown away and really excited for what's to come. Yeah, yeah. please don't Oof. mess it up. Yeah, please don't be bad. Please don't be bad. <laughs> please don't <laughs> make to us say that every. Please. Yeah, every time we say we mention that or rings of power, we do have to say like per our podcast contract, please do not mess it up. Yeah. So. <laughs> please don't fuck it up. <laughs> oh man okay let's talk about some games yeah let's talk games we okay so i went to gen con and it was insanely busy i kind of explained it as it's it was so very busy exciting and just like fun like it was completely different than any other gen con that i've been to because over the last year i've really kind of made a lot more connections and like yeah grown in kind of like friends that i have in that space um in in the board game space and so it was 
it was really cool to go to this convention that so many people were at and it was just so busy because so many people were at it and so it just felt like i was running uh you know event to event to event which is incredible like um i i'll talk about some of the games but i do want to say i want to mention the highlight of gen con and that was that on sunday of gen con the last day of gen con i was able to preview the new x-men expansion for marvel champions Mm. um, which was which was a blast so i played with and this is like surreal to me right so i I played with people who knew me um who had seen my stuff and like i had people come over and like introduce themselves to me because they knew who i was and that was just oh that's really fun yeah, yeah, that was it was a ton of fun. But then after the event, I got to talk to Caleb Grace, who's the designer of Marvel Champions. And which was just surreal. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And you're like fanboying like, out, I'm sure. I, I, I absolutely was. And like I was like, hey, like I have like a YouTube channel dedicated to your game. And he goes, Oh yeah, which one? I was like the Living Card Game. He goes, Oh yeah, I know that one. I was like, Okay, well, my life's complete. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it was just it, it was incredible it, yeah. it was so surreal um but and i'm really excited for the x-men that are coming out um but if you if you want to know more about that there's a whole another youtube channel for that so <laughs> <laughs> uh, i do want to highlight a couple of games that i got to try or demo or bring home and ooh, hmm. do you want to hear do you want to hear about trick taking oh man i get to i get to choose. yeah you get to choose you get to choose do you want to hear about trick taking do you want to hear about rolling rights or do you want to hear about a unique card game first Ooh, i'll go unique card game it sounds fun unique card game okay so i picked up scout by oink games and scout comes in a box that's about the size of ooh, maybe like you know like the iphone or the ipod nanos yeah but like the ones with the screen yeah yeah like it's about that size, like it or an iPod Mini. Like it's it's a tiny game. Wow. Um, uh, it may be a little bit bigger because like it has cards in it, but it it's a it's a game that has it's cards labeled one through ten, and they're double sided. So on the top is a number, and on the bottom is a different number. And what you do is you deal out all the cards to every player, and you pick up your hand. At the beginning of the game, you have the opportunity to rotate your hand. Or flip it upside down, mm. or keep it the way you are. And after that, it's like bonanza. You cannot modify or change the position of any of the cards in your hand. Okay. And it's like rummy or poker, where the first player will play a card, and then the next player has to play a card from adjoining spaces in their hand that beats their card. So okay. if they lay down a two, you can lay down a three. Or if they lay down two two fours, you can lay down two fives. Mm-hmm. But you have to make sure that they are next to each other in your hand. Okay. If you cannot, then you scout, which is the name of the game, and you can take one of their cards and rotate it any direction and put it into your hand in any position. And then the next player has to beat what is left. And so if they lay down two fives, you cannot beat that. You take that. The next player then has to only beat a five. And then you've set it up so that, oh, cool, now I have a six seven eight in my hand and i can lay down that run yeah and it it is it was so much more fun than i expected it to be and it was just like it's it's fun to try and figure out that puzzle and try and you know play things at the right moment Mm. so that it's like okay if i play these cards then that sets me up for like a run of four and if you beat this this is actually probably important if you whatever you beat 
you take those cards and those are victory points. So like mm. if you beat a run of four, then you get four victory points and that's really, really good. And if someone scouts for you, from you, then you get a victory point. Nice. And so, and then if it, if you ever go out of cards, the round is over and then every card in players hands at the end of a round is negative victory points. And then also if no one can beat your trick, the round is over. Okay. And so it, it creates some interesting decision points and like, okay, like I've had times where it's like, okay, I want to lay these down. I'm not quite sure if anyone can beat it. And so I'm going to do that next time. Yeah. Cause I, I don't want to be left with these in my hand. Gotcha. And you play it out over like the number of rounds per player. And so like you can kind of set, set up and if you have a bad round, then you can set up and try and make up for it later. Mm-hmm. But it, it fits, it fits in a pocket and it was, it's an absolute blast. Like I've played a lot of games like this, like Rummy Cube or or anything like that, and it's like, why didn't I think of this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what? It's like this is so simple, and, and like, but so unique in the same like vein. And so yeah, I yeah, it was just a lot of fun. So for sure, it's cool that, that it's like inspired by. Um, you know, like the kind of existing like card game yeah. setup. So like yeah. it's a little bit familiar, but like just enough of a twist to make it like a truly unique game experience. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, I'm going to do one more and then we'll switch back to you because cool. I need to rapid fire some of these. Okay, so so are we doing uh, roll and write or the trick taking? Trick taking. Trick taking. So Cat in the Box. Cat in the Box is a quantum trick taking game. And it was kind of, I, I think that this had a run for one of the games of the convention. It was probably up there with like kites from floodgate games, which we're not going to cover in this podcast and twilight inscription, mm. which I want you to get so that we can cover at a future podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the but, twilight Imperium roll and write. Right? Yes, yeah. that is. Yeah. Which I saw it played. It looks beautiful. You get like these orange highlighter markers and it, it looks incredible. Cool. But so cat in the box by Bazir games is, or Bezier Games, not quite sure how to pronounce it. Yeah. But it is a game where... Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's a game. Uh, <laughs> it's a good start. I, I think they brought 1,700 copies and they sold out. Wow. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, because, it, I mean, it was 25 bucks. Like, it was not it was not expensive, and it was it's super unique because none of the cards are suited. And hmm. so it's a quantum trick-taking game. It's kind of like the theme, and it's okay. like, you know, the... Uh, Schrodinger's cat like is it dead or is it alive okay. you don't know until you actually play a card so whenever you play a card you declare it as a suit okay and so there's a there's a communal board that has the numbers in a four-player game you play one through nine and then the four suits so like red blue yellow green okay whenever you play a card say I play a six all the cards are black I play a six I can say this is a blue six and I put one of my markers out on the blue six and now no one can say that they have a blue six in their hand oh because it's already been played yeah so if you have a six you have to say it's a red green or yellow okay and there are four tricks and five of every card okay so you'll be stuck with cards okay so you go around um, and whenever you say you play out of suit. So it's like, okay, I don't want to play a blue. Then you have a board that's you basically take a token off saying, I have no more blues in my hand mm. because you have to follow suit. And then you can play off suit at that point. Red is the trump card. And so it's like hearts. So you have to break trump okay. before you can actually play trump. And so, but at that point, you're locked out. You can never play blues again. 
Mm. And if you can ever not play a card, then you cause a paradox and all your victory points are basically negative. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And at the beginning of the round, you choose how many tricks you're going to win. This is where it gets insane to yeah. me. Like, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And then, okay, at the beginning of the round, you choose how many tricks you're going to win. Every trick is a point. But if you also are accurate in your guess, then you then score bonus points based on the orthogonally adjacent of your markers on the board that you have mapped out. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you say I play a blue six, a blue seven, and a yellow seven. Uh-huh. You get three bonus points because those are all adjacent to each other. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> 3D <laughs> chess like, over here. Yeah. And so like Roberto Sheerboardum was the one who was explaining it to me initially. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And he explained that. I was like, no, 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 that's just going to hurt. That's yeah. just going to hurt. That's going to hurt my brain. But because they're bonus points, they do matter a lot. And I'm sure good players actually do plan for that. But for me, I'm just like, I just don't want to not be the one. I just want to be the one that doesn't cause the paradox. And so I'm going to try and get that. But if I don't, I don't. And that's fine. Yeah, and yeah. so so in that sense, like you are kind of limited to what you can play. So there's really not a lot of AP too, which is really nice. Nice. Yeah. So like when you, so you, if like a trick came around and like, let's say the two, like, the two of blue was available and I had a two in my hand, I could still choose to say I'm out of blue if I wanted. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so you can do that if you want to trump in. Mm-hmm. And so like you can throw the two red and then that wins the trick because the red is the trump. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But then, yeah. And so it's like, when do you, it's kind of a risk or reward. Like when do you want to say you're out of a trick and then trump in and take the trick right. or, um, you kind of want to offload cards and it's like, okay, there's only one five left out there. I know I'm stuck with one. I want to try and play that five before the other person plays the five. Gotcha. Because gotcha. I don't want to be the one stuck holding the bag because then the five can never be played yeah. and I just have a higher chance of causing a paradox. Gotcha. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've played it with a, a couple of groups and it's just been a hit with every single group. It's been a lot of fun. The one complaint I have about it yeah. is it is the deluxe edition and the quality is crap. Oh, like yeah. it is <laughs> the the little chits are really nice. The board is really nice. The cards, the back of the cards have different colors. Oh no. That's like it's just off printed. Yeah. And like because it doesn't it's not suited, like there is like it probably doesn't matter, but it's also like, guys, like come on. Yeah. Like it's the deluxe edition. And yeah. I like I spent twenty five dollars on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've played my copy. I don't know, four times or so now. Yeah. And like all the cards are starting to show where it's like, so I, oh, I wow. sleeved them. I sleeved them. It's and like, like four times. All the, like... Yeah. It, they're just very poor quality cards. Yeah. So especially when I your just... game is a card game, it feels like you know, this is where your money should have gone. Is to... Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. But anyways, yeah. it, it was really good. Cat in the box was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that box. Very I cool. really enjoyed that. I like the name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's very much a, like, a paste it on theme, but it works really well. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, that's fun. Like, that. Yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so that was my bump set spike. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Diwali. <laughs> very cool. I've been looking forward. I've been, like, trying to intentionally not ask you about Gen Con, so I appreciate you taking okay. a minute. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying not to ruin it before the episode, you know, trying to stay yeah, true yeah. to the recording or whatever. So, <sighs> So speaking of $20 card games, Ooh, I'm so pumped. I know, right? And segues. I picked up a $20 <laughs> card game um, that I, I saw online. I just saw a post about it, um, actually, like, from the creator um, called Ecologies. 
Um, I have never heard of this game. Really? It's in the top 11,000 on board game. Oh, shoot. No, I only do top 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 10,035, so you just missed it. Ah, yeah. Maybe if it gets a little bit better. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we're talking trash, but actually, like, um, it's like... The ten, th- like the thousands, are just like the sevens in board game geek. Like everything ends up being a seven, and so like it's, it's right. seven point two. Yeah. And I'm sure there's like a five hundred or more way tie for seven point two. Yep, yep. Um, and so this is not at all a bad game when we say it's top ten thousand. It just means it's in this very large mass of mediocre games. Yep, yep. Um, according to the community. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so this is a game. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> two for two. Um, <laughs> this is a game designed by Matt Montrose. I think I've said his name right. Um, the Matt I'm confident on. The last name I'm like 50-50. But, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he also, he's he's published it by himself. He's in, he's the artist for the game. So this is really like a self-produced game. Oh, cool. Truly. Nice. Um, and it's called Ecologies. Um, the publisher, he named the company Montrose biology he's a biology teacher and he designed this game to help kind of like highlight and teach aspects of ecologies um in that's like a cool. biology sense so um, oh that's really cool yeah it's really neat the way the game kind of works is you um you have like different tiers within an ecology so you have like your producers um which are things that turn sunlight into carbohydrates um, okay so like plants and um, but in the sea that would be like algae and stuff like that um and then you have like scavengers, um, which can exist within the ecology so long as there's like anything else in the ecology. Um, and you have uh, then like tiers of like car- like um, consumers, not carnivores, but consumers. So, so things tier one can consume the producers, tier two can consume that, tier three can consume that. Got it. Um, yeah. Some animals can play multiple roles within like an ecology. Um, mm. So like this is where it covers like bears, like things that are herbivores yeah. that can both scavenge or consume plant life or consume other things you know um very cool and so the first thing you do is you play like a biome um and there's like seven or eight different biomes and so this is part of the theming of the game that makes it fun like you have like desert biomes and tundra biomes and forest and you know water but uh marine life i think is what it's called in the game um so there's like some theming there that just ends up being really fun there's like scientifically accurate plants and animals that have um, descriptions of like what they do within like their ecology and sometimes they can exist within different biomes um, and then there is a trade mechanic so that's like a big part of the game is like what you have and what you're able to trade with amongst other players um, so it's like I really need a producer for a tundra biome right because I have like scavengers and like tier one and two con- consumers within but I just need a producer to like get it all going right um, so you're cool. like trying to like give away um, oh, and something I haven't mentioned is the higher up in the food chain something is, the more victory points it's worth. Um, so sometimes mm-hmm. you're trading things that are like really high tier because they're worth a lot of victory points for things that are low tier just to kind of get you going or whatever. Right. Okay. Um, Seems like a very involved $20 card game. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a lot going for it. Um, and I, I just really enjoy We had a really fun first playthrough. Um, there's a couple of action card type things that like come into play that just kind of shake things up. Um, there is some like maybe messiness within the rule books and things that weren't totally clear. There was one thing that happened that I like was trying to find FAQs of like, how does this, you know, like what happens now? Um, and like the rules around like scavengers, like maybe weren't totally clear to me. Um, you can tell that like, it is a game that has been produced by someone who knows biology, but may or may not actually know board game design, you know? Gotcha. Um, and so some things I think made sense in like the designer's head that maybe don't totally translate onto like the board for us clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I think it's like adequately ranked in the like in these like mid tier games. Like it's it's definitely well designed. It's really pretty. 
there are a ton of um, expansions for it. If you want to buy it, um, you go buy it off of his Etsy, you know, because like, he, oh, nice. you know, like that's he's awesome. making it himself basically. So, oh, that's um, so cool. And so there's a good feeling in there for, for us as consumers and specifically people who like, we kind of know how, you know, this space works. Like, I feel like a lot of that purchase is actually going to him, which makes me feel good, you know, like yeah, for spending that 25 bucks or whatever I bought it for. Yeah. Um, and so, and like I said, we've only played it once so far, um, but we just kind of had a blast with being a little silly with it. You know, it maybe, maybe took about an hour. It maybe overstayed a little bit. Um, okay. It could probably be like a little bit shorter because I think you play like 12 victory points. Um, and that may be a first play. And that may be a first play for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, one thing that was really funny was <laughs> that, um, so you play to like 12 victory points. Um, several cards are worth fractions of a victory point. <laughs> just, just scale up right scale up. it's like if you multiplied all the victory points by four and played to 40 it would be the exact same game except i wouldn't have to do math as hard <laughs> but That's there's like hilarious. quarter of a point 1.5 points 0.75 points it's like come on man <laughs> nice nice do we have to? <laughs> and people like to score more points, so multiplying by four in any game is not bad. It's not bad. Like it, it was, we were all kind of like having a laugh about it. Um, nice. Oh, and so, and I think I also didn't mention like you can't. It's not just that like any tier one eats any tier, any scavenger, any scavenger uh, producer, or that any tier two eats any tier one. Like they all say on there, you know, eats like um, I'm looking at muskox right now, and it's like eats like lichen, sa- you know, saxifrage and moss. And is eaten okay. by Arctic wolf and polar bear. And so there's all this like interplay too <laughs> of like what can eat what. You know, so yeah. there's a little bit of a puzzle making trying to like um, and then when you actually make a functioning ecology, the the biome itself has like a healthy ecology bonus. And so there's a little bit of like a engine building type feel of like, oh, okay, now yeah. like card purchases are cheaper by two because I have a functioning tundra bonus or I draw more cards. Oh, per that's turn cool. Or like, you know, yeah. little stuff. I'm immune to certain, you know, negative effects or Yeah. So, so what, what is kind of like the main mechanism? Is it, is like a deck builder? Is it a hand builder? Like what are, what are you doing? You're like, basically you're drawing cards into your hand and you have like an infinite hand size and then you're playing, you're up, you're playing, you can play up to two cards per turn if you can play them basically, if you have like a spot. And then you have the trading. Yeah. And then you have the trading. trading. And so there's like a draw, it's like four things and it's like roughly like draw, trade, play. And then there's like a discard and buy type mechanic. Cool. Um, Okay. So that's kind of, that's kind of the function of the game is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we did is like, that, and I don't know if we were just doing this wrong, but we like had the whole deck dealt out at one point. Like everybody <laughs> had like 16 cards and it's like, maybe we should be using like the whole, like sell, like you can like discard a certain number of cards to draw cards. And like, maybe we should yeah. be doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, but at it that feels point, like, like everyone's just like pointing guns at each other. Like that's right. going to lay down first. Yeah, that's right. Cause when the it. deck is empty, you're like, well, I'm not going to lay down four cards so I can draw one card because they're all yeah. my cards. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of stalled that part of it stalled a little bit. Um, like I said, it's nice. not like a totally a critically acclaimed game, but I really appreciated what he was trying to do. He was trying to, you know, show how ecologies work. He was trying to in, get his um, students interested in biology. Um, and the, like the couple that we played it with, they were really funny. They were telling us like, yeah, I was on a hike and, you know, I was like noticing like little berries and stuff and thinking about like what might be, you know, oh, like it was that's like, awesome. it was totally yeah. obvious that it worked. Like he, what yeah. he set out to accomplish was um, to teach fun biology through a board game. And like that is very functional. Um, awesome so that so i mean that's really cool i think there's this whole like realm of educational games that we have not really touched on that much but i do think that there is such a awesome opportunity because 
people like to learn when they're having fun and especially kids. Yeah. And like, I just think that that is a genius way to teach. And so I'm really excited to hear that it actually functions fairly well too, as a board game yeah, because for sure. like it, it, I, I also like, it feels like theme is really inherent in the game. And so that's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Nice. And I was, I was really impressed with like the artwork, you know, like I said, he did it all himself and, there's a yeah. couple animals where it's because it's like they're all animals like that's hard to draw you know like proportions yeah. are weird and faces yeah, yeah. are weird and there are one or two where it's like this animal is kind of eyeing me you know like this, <laughs> it's kind of a weird look exactly yeah going. yeah what, what what level can eat me that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah are humans in the ecology no humans only yeah. destroy ecologies but <laughs> yeah which is why you're playing the game that's right, uh, that's right. it's uh, very meta in that sense for sure like I said, there's a lot of content. I think there's like seven or something expansion. So he's put out quite a bit of the game considering that it came is out that... in like 2019, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of content. So is, are the expansions like different biomes or how does that work? As far or as I can like tell. More? Yeah, just more. I mean, I haven't I haven't really read into it too much. But cool. the couple that I did look at, yeah, more. Very cool. Yeah, yeah it was fun. It's, it was it's fun. surprising. Yeah, yeah. It's always fun to hear about a game that's not headlining, right? Right. And so, nice. Yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Sure. Did you buy it from Etsy? I bought it from Etsy, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, direct from nice. Etsy. So that, like I said, that was <laughs> also, so cool. there's a little bit of reward for that. Of like, I, yeah. I, I'm probably willing to spend a little bit more knowing that the money's going to him more directly right. yep. than to yep. Esmodi totally. or whatever. Alrighty. So the last thing that I had on my agenda tonight was the last game, which is, okay, so choose from your options, which is uh, Roll and Write. I'll go with Roll and Write. I'm okay, enjoying my good choose, choose your own adventure, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm glad you chose Rolling Right. Yeah. So this is actually one of the games that's not a new game. So Oink, or I'm sorry, uh, Scout was new to US um, at Gen Con or around that time. And then uh, Cat in the Box was new at Gen Con. This one has been around actually for a while now. It's Rolling Realms, uh, which is from Stonemeyer Games, designed by Jamie Stegmeyer. Okay. Have you heard of rolling realms no and i'm kind of surprised because i try to i try to keep up without actually keeping up <laughs> yeah <laughs> i try to keep up conversationally <laughs> yeah 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 and so rolling realms is it has such a cool theme so basically what it is is you play out over three rounds and every round you have you draw three cards and every player at the kit table draws the same three cards so you basically have one player draw three and whatever cards come out is what everyone is playing that round. Okay. But every single card is a different board game. So you have like the Scythe card, you have the Viticulture card, you mm. have the Rolling Realms card, and then they've actually expanded it. So you have like the Terra Mystica card. So even games that are not under the Stonemeier, oh, uh, yeah, like top, the, the umbrella. Yeah. yeah. And so, and he's partnered with a lot of companies to put out a lot of these cards for their types of games. And every single card kind of has a tie in to the specific game. And so, like the Viticulture card, you're like making wine. And the uh, Between Two Cities cards, you cannot have uh, adjoining uh, numbers. And so, mm. it kind of pulls in some sort of mechanic. And each card plays a little bit differently, but that all kind of like has an homage to its own game. And it's just, it's so much fun. Um, and the rules are super simple. You roll two dice and you use one dice in one realm and the other dice in a different realm. Mm. And you do that nine times in a round and you play over three rounds and that's it. But the way that the cards interact and depending on which ones come out makes it just like very unique and very replayable. Yeah. 
That's so meta too. I mean, yeah, there are other like meta games that are board games about board games or whatever, but like, yeah, this is the most direct one I think I've heard of. Yeah, like just literally yeah. printing the name and picture of the board game or whatever like, on cards, <laughs> yep. and that's what you play. Yep. With. Yep. There is a Rolling Realms card in Rolling Realms, <laughs> <So> <laughs> but it, it's this, the game has become self-aware at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but this is another one. It it's in a box that's bigger than it needs to be. Mm. But you you could condense it and take it in a in a backpack and like it, it's it's a really solid it's a really solid rolling right for how simple the rule sets are. Yeah. And I I, I have found that I've enjoyed rolling rights and that's just a genre that. I typically like, and I picked it up along with, so when I was at, um, so Stonemeyer was not at Gen Con, but they were represented by a, a, another company there. And so when I bought the game, I also picked up Viticulture World, which is the game I will talk about in a future podcast, Okay, but it's the expansion of Viticulture that makes it cooperative. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And so I bought that and then it, it came in like a, a box that houses everything. Yeah. And so it's like this nice cool like wine crate looking box. Oh, sweet. And so yeah. so I'm I'm excited to talk about that, but that will be a future copy because one of our listeners has my copy of Viticulture right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping to get that back soon. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you, like I feel like when I play Roll and Rights, I feel like I'm solving a puzzle. Yeah. Like probably more literally than other games that I play, right? Um, yes. And in the same vein, like, I really enjoy solving puzzles. Like, it's something that my fiancé and I do in, like, our downtime. Um, but I don't generally feel that I'm playing, like, that I enjoy one puzzle more than other puzzles. And I f- personally mm. feel that way about, like, roll and write. So I'm interested to hear, like, how does this compare to, like, other roll and writes, I guess, that you played? Like, does it is it kind of checking the same boxes, or is it, like, different enough to offer its own, like... You know, it's enjoyment. It doesn't stand alone, I guess. No, I, I totally see where you're coming from. And yeah, I, I do agree. It does feel very similar in kind of solving that type of puzzle. I think there are genres of roll and rights that kind of can stand on their own, right? I don't think that if you have cartographers, you would not be interested in Welcome to. I think those play very, very differently. Mm. But I do think that this plays pretty similarly to a lot of the number, quote, number roll and rights, mm-hmm. where you're trying to optimize where you're placing dice so it feels like a um that's pretty clever Mm. or a welcome to that kind of sense the one thing that i would say is that it is a little bit more dynamic because everything is always different and what cards are coming out and so you're not going to play the same map like you would on welcome to or okay. that's pretty clever yeah so in that sense it's a little more dynamic if you're not a huge fan of rolling rights or if you're not a big fan of rolling rights then if you have one i don't necessarily know if you need to pick this one up mm-hmm. i enjoy rolling rights i enjoy just consuming a lot of different types of games and so i was very happy to pick this up but i can see if you are kind of limited in what games you want on your shelf if you have another rolling right that kind of fits that genre then maybe this one's a pass it it doesn't offer anything that's super unique that is i have to have this but like when when what you were saying with like that's what you were saying with like rolling rights feel very similar i think that is very true but also like there's a spectrum like twilight inscription is going to be a lot different than welcome to yeah definitely And, and so but this one feels very much like lumped if you kind of like cross your eyes a little bit it would all be the same yeah and part of that's just like if if in 2009 or 2010 
I could probably have made the same argument for like deck builders, right? Yeah. Like there, yeah. there wasn't a ton of variety because it was just like kind of new. And I, I feel like yep. roll and rights both are and are not new, you know? Because like Yahtzee. Some, yeah, exactly. Because in some senses, Yahtzee's <laughs> a rolling right. And so like it's been around forever. Um, yeah. But also, it just feels like there's a lot of room still to explore and expand yes. into mechanics that can be associated with rolling rights. Um, yep. So it may just be like a right now thing. And five years from now, I could feel totally differently. But yep. The, the one last thing that I will say is that if you are looking for something with a, a roll and write with player interaction, this is not your game. Uh, yeah. it, it's very much a heads down type game. Whereas like cartographers, you do have a little bit of interaction there, mm-hmm. but this feels very much like a welcome to where it's, we can play it over a podcast basically. Right. So yeah. it's there's no, no interaction uh, whatsoever. So yeah, that I have seen yeah. at least. Yeah. So welcome to can be played with an infinite number of players. Right? Yep. Yep, and so can this game as long as you have enough decks, yeah, enough sets of the cards. Gotcha. So, gotcha. I I really liked kind of the theme of the game, and then also I've played it a couple of times now, and I I, I really enjoy just kind of the gameplay of. Yeah. It's it's a very like chill game, but the interactions of what cards come out can drastically change how you play the game. Yeah. Cool. Um, you got anything else? I do. I have one more thing. Let's go. One, Let's do one it. One last book topic. Um, <laughs> oh, switching nice. back. So, um, I read through, I think it's titled the inheritance trilogy. And actually I take that back. I did not not read through the full trilogy. What's that? (laughs) Not the cycle. Not the cycle. It's different. (laughs) It's different. So I read through hundred thousand kingdoms, which is the first, um, book in it. It's a lot of kingdoms. It's a whole lot of kingdoms. Um, I read this book while painting. And so I hated it at first because I was painting. But then I realized I did actually very much like the book. <laughs> I just were, didn't. What were you painting? I'm sorry. The house. Oh, okay, okay. Like okay. the inside I, of my I, I house. Feel, like I just like pictured you doing like a wine and paint. Like canvas. Oh. <laughs> I'm just like, what <laughs> like, are you paint and by then, like, you're holding You're like holding a book like up above your head and like painting and just like yeah. very like aristocrat of you i'm like what do you like, i would have liked that you significantly had... <laughs> more than what i <laughs> That's was fair. doing okay okay it, no. my mind did not go to the house whatsoever sorry yeah, so my Please house continue. was painted it's fine it's fire side episode so what my house <laughs> is painted what they used to call sellable yellow right which was like yeah in the yeah, 90 yeah. like late 90s or whatever <laughs> just in the 90s in general there's painted houses yellow because it was considered like a sellable color and so <laughs> my great. house is that color and it's nice. hideous and so we were painting it white because th- that's what you do now i guess and so um but <laughs> i like my my like first floor has like a vaulted ceiling so i had like one of those paint like poles that's like so, you know it's like a 10 foot pole and it's got like an 18 inch roller on the end of it and so i was like trying to like paint the ceiling you know like my back <laughs> hurt and anyways this is like none of your problem at all but um i was just grumpy in general because painting makes yeah. me grumpy that's fair um, that's fair but this book was like it got me through it, man. I, I really liked it. And um, it had just it was one that I found in like a list of recommendations and it sounded interesting. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I found the first book in an airport. I remember that now. Oh, I like picked it go. up and I read the back of it because it said inheritance on it. And I was like, is this, yeah. you know, and so I was like, oh no, this is a different thing. But I read the back of it and I was like, well, that sounds interesting. And so I just added it to like my list on my phone. Um, nice. And so it was, it was really bite-sized. It was, I think a 12 hour book. It was pretty small. Okay. Um, yeah. And so it had very, um, maybe you would say like narrow or like streamlined world building, um, okay. where it wasn't, it wasn't in depth. There wasn't all these new creatures and nations and you weren't learning about all these things. You knew that all of this large world existed because it's like, well, you had to do a hundred thousand of them. I know. So. Right? That would take a very long time. <laughs> um, can you imagine, even a hundred thousand page book would be just unbearable. <laughs> you know? um, right. And yeah. 
<laughs> don't no nobody get any ideas. But yeah, Sanderson looking at you. That's right. <laughs> Back off. Um. Anyways, and so the concept of it though. So the concept was that um, there are three entities. The first is one of um, you might say like order and like stasis, um, and the se- the second that is sort of like change and chaos and so they obviously kind of balance each other um Mm -hmm. and they were kind of the first gods um and so through them like the world started to kind of be created um and then there is a third god that came later um that is sort of a hybrid of the two and so Mm. the um the first one that i described of like stasis and order um is the god of like the day like the god of the sun and of the day um, the second one of change is the god of night and of the moon. And the third one is of like dawn and twilight. Oh, cool. Kind of like thematically. That's fun. Um, and the third yeah. one is the one that was able to bring in life um, because it's okay. kind of a combination of both order and chaos, if that makes sense. Um, so thematically cool. already like really cool. Yeah. Um, but dun, 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 what has happened, and they talk about this very early, is that the god of order and chaos has... Um, killed the god one of the gods and imprisoned the other and sort of like taken over like they're out of balance basically um gotcha. but the okay. whole world's religion has been or the whole the whole world has been at peace like they talk about the hundred thousand kingdoms um they are all united and at peace because he is the god of like preservation and law and order right so there's um at the start of the book you describe this world that is um that has kind of achieved world peace basically um you know but as you like the book cr- progresses, you realize like maybe that's not exactly true, right? Um, and so it's really cool, like the way that it's structured. Basically, like one of the main character goes to kind of like the ruling city um, and starts to kind of like uncover basically the ugliness behind the truth a little bit. Mm, um, okay. The yeah. god that is imprisoned is actually imprisoned in like a human form, and so is an active character in the book, which is also oh, that's kind of cool. cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so there's just a lot of there's a lot of cool things about. Um, also, we haven't even talked about, but those three gods, it's actually a pantheon. Those are like the three main gods, but there is a pantheon oh, okay. of children gods yeah. and other things. So there's all these other deities that are also active characters within the books. Um, and so for a 12-hour book, a ton of depth in like <laughs> characters. Yeah. and in, It's basically a book of intrigue. I wouldn't, I guess you. it is technically a fantasy setting, um, but it doesn't maybe feel like, it's definitely not high fantasy because it's only humans and gods. So there's not orcs and goblins and elves or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's also not high fantasy and just in terms of like length, you know, it's pretty short, um, <laughs> but it's basically like, it's almost a mystery book. The The main character is trying to solve a personal um, mystery, basically a murder mystery that has to do with their family. Um, Ooh, and they have gone I'm to hooked. the main capital to like try and as a, as, among other things, one of the things they're trying to do is solve that mystery. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. So a really that unique really setting. Cool. Um, like I said, I, I would, to call it narrow, I think would do it a disservice. I would say maybe like streamlined is a better word. Like it is intentional okay. in that it's not trying to build all of the hundred thousand kingdoms. That's just like a backdrop. Yeah. Um, it's not trying to describe every god in the pantheon to you. You just know that they exist. Um, but the gods that are in the story are like really well developed characters, and they're very unique, and they have a thing. You know, like they have some characteristic that like makes them um, very like at times lovable or like just even just gives them characterization, right? Like, Oh yeah. They behave this way. Like for these different reasons, like that makes sense to me. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So. Why is it called like, or why, why a hundred thousand King or why a hundred thousand kingdoms? Yeah. hundred thousand kingdoms. I think is just named because there are like a hundred thousand kingdoms in the world or something like that, but they're oh, all okay. united under this one, like 
government. Oh, got it. Okay. And okay. I, I don't, they <laughs> reference that term. I don't know that it's like literal term and it may just be like superfluous, you know, that they're like, there's just a lot of kingdoms yeah. or whatever. Okay. Okay. Um, got so it. they just kind of like reference it that way. Um, but it's more like, like I said, it's like superfluous and meant to point to the fact that there are a lot of kingdoms that are ruled by like one governance and that there is world peace, quote unquote, amongst, amongst all these kingdoms. Gotcha. Um, I don't know why she chose like inheritance, but I don't know. It's a cool word. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's in the next couple books. Yeah. Nice. Well, that sounds really cool. Yeah. That sounds like a really like interesting and like captivating both like setting but also the murder mystery or like the mystery yeah. seems like kind of kind of really interest intriguing to me yeah it was very fun so. um like i said very bite-sized um the first book did kind of stand alone so i'm i will probably go back and read the second and third one but um it, it was a complete story and so i don't need to um it was very rewarding for what it was um cool. but i you know she kind of earned my trust i guess in in that like yeah. it was well written and i i really enjoyed it so yeah no that sounds really interesting i'll have to i'll, I'll put that one on the the maybe list. How about that? Yeah. Because I, I, feel, I feel like if I say I keep putting things on the list, nothing's ever going to get off the list. I know. You have a but, lot on your list, man. <laughs> I, I know. I know. It's bad. But I did I did read a full book by myself. So Good job. It, like, there, there is hope. There is hope. There for is you hope. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, man. Is that enough content for you yet? That was a lot of content. We I have even more to talk about, but we'll save that for a, a future episode. Yeah. But, I mean, it was awesome coming back from summer break feels like school's back in session we're doing podcasts again so that's really exciting yep and yeah so i mean this was an absolute blast i always enjoy talking with you we were kind of talking it's like we haven't talked in a long time it's been really busy but yeah but if you want to reach out and communicate with us you can on any of the social medias or the discord you can find all of those links on the fantasy and some flights website so you can go there and see what we're all about yep but thanks for listening and we will be back next time with another episode i i almost like talked about what it was but i don't actually know what it is so (laughs) (laughs) we'll be back with whatever comes up maybe another fire's that episode where we cover the other half of content (laughs) yeah (laughs) excellent well it's fantastic talking with you and i look forward to the next one cheers buddy cheers (laughs) 